Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest uh, monthly quiz. This is June 2014. We have 10 excellent cases for you, 10 uh, each challenging, and let's start and take a look. In this first case, you see two sets of images. One is arterial phase, and one is a little bit later. When you look at the arterial phase imaging, you see what appears to be a potential thrombi in the jugular veins, particularly on the right side, or at least you think about that possibility. It's very important to realize that in early phase imaging, there's various timings involved, and so Sometimes you see one jugular vein opacified and one not as well opacified. In this case, you might think perhaps you're looking at thrombus, but on the images, about 20 seconds later, you very nicely see opacification of both jugular veins. So in this case, the jugular veins are normal in appearance. There's no thrombosis and there's no uh, error in technique. It's simply a timing issue. Again, with venous structures, it's very easy to make mistakes if you're in the arterial phase and to overcall the presence of uh, thrombus. In this patient with left hip pain, what's the best diagnosis? And what you do see is a vascular lesion in the patient's left iliopsoas muscles that explains the hip pain. Now this could be a sarcoma, but if you look hard, the patient is missing the left kidney. And in fact, this patient also has a mass in the lower pole of the right kidney. So this patient has had a renal cell carcinoma with a left nephrectomy. Now this has metastasized to muscle and has metastasized to the contralateral kidney. Metastasis from renal cell, 90 plus percent or clear cell, are vascular in nature, and muscle is one of the common sites of involvement, and you very nicely see it in this example. In this case, I asked you what is the device present in addition to the aortic valve replacement. And you see that the device, and it's sitting right between the patient's left and right atrium. So what can this be? Well, this is a classic 3D appearance for an Amplatz septal occluder, and it's used to close ASDs. It's not a misplaced catheter or device. It's not a site of prior surgery. It's not a pacing wire or a pacing pad. It's this Amplat septal occluder. And we see these more commonly used now than ever, so it's very important to recognize them. On the axial CTs, you can see it just perfectly as in this example, and very nicely also shown on the 3D mapping. In this case, what's the best diagnosis? Well, when you look, you see multiple vertebral bodies with the cystic-like lesions, expansile, sclerotic borders, you know, multiple bodies are involved and also the spinous processes are involved. What's also important to notice is you look at the edge of the films, you also see the right ribs involved. They're all expanded, but the left ribs are normal. Now, if you were thinking renal osteodystrophy, all the bones would be involved. It would not be unilateral. If you were thinking myeloma, um, the sclerotic portions really don't typically look like myeloma. And myelofibrosis, the vertebral bodies would be dense, not with this lytic component. And what we're looking at here is fibrous dysplasia. And fibrous dysplasia is often unilateral, as would be the case, in, or predominantly unilateral, as the ribs on the right side were involved, but not on the left side. And it's a bone disorder uh, where there is expansion of bone and weakening of bone at the same time. These patients are more susceptible to fracture. Uh, most patients are diagnosed in uh, late adolescence or early adulthood. 
the basic cause of fibrous dysplasia is unknown. Very nice example of fibrous dysplasia. This patient has Klippel Trenani Weber syndrome, and I'm asking you what the best diagnosis is. And the question is, what's going on in the spleen? Now, you can think of many things that give you splenic lesions, from sarcoidosis to abscesses to metastasis to lymphoma to benign lesions like hemangiomas or lymphangiomas. And Klippel Trenani Weber, which is also known as Parks Weber syndrome, can cause splenic lesions, and the typical splenic lesion is hemangiomas, and there can be multiple hemangiomas. And this is just a very nice example. In fact, we have followed this patient for many years, and the appearance of the spleen has not changed over time. This patient had a clot in the left ventricle, and I'm asking for the best diagnosis. When you look at the right kidney, you very nicely see multiple wedge-shaped areas of decreased density, and you could think about a differential diagnosis, but this is classic for infarcts. It's not the appearance of an abscess, though any one spot, in a sense, could be necrotic. It's not the appearance of transitional cell or renal cell carcinoma. You might think about pyelonephritis, but usually in pylo, there's wedge-shaped areas of decreased attenuation, which is true here, but they're not this low density. And so I also help you out with the history of blood clot, uh, embolic phenomena, think about that. And this is a wonderful example of multiple right renal infarcts. You ask, where is the left kidney? This patient incidentally had a pelvic kidney. This is an interesting case. This patient had abdominal pain, and when you look at the CT, look at the SMA. You see the SMA is markedly irregular. Now perhaps the patient is breathing, but look at the hepatic artery, that's perfectly fine, as is the abdominal aorta. So we're looking at a process that really is causing a vasculitis of the SMA. This is not the appearance of atherosclerotic disease. You look at the aorta, we don't see any plaque of note. Spasm is a possibility, though I've never seen spasm in the SMA. Bichette's disease is a possibility. It usually involves the uh, bowel and terminal ileum and can cause ulcerations or even aneurysms within the vessel. But the best choice of the ones I am giving you here is polyarthritis nodosa. It can involve medium to large vessels, and the SMA can be involved. It's interesting in this case, I also considered the possibility of fibrous dysplasia. And if this was a renal artery, fibrous dysplasia would be a great diagnosis, but I have to admit I've never saw fibrous dysplasia of the SMA. And uh, this patient has a definite vasculitis clinically now, and polyarthritis nodosa is the presumed diagnosis. This is a nice example, uh, patient had abdominal pain, very nice distension of the stomach, and so when you get to the antrum, you can see on the axial images diffuse thickening in the antrum, and yes, you might say perhaps you're fooled by a pseudotumor, but look at the coronal views, small ulceration in the uh, lesser curvature, very nice example of adenocarcinoma. Could this be lymphoma? I guess theoretically, yes. Gastritis? usually more diffuse, gist tumor is larger. Very nice example of adenocarcinoma of the gastric antrum. This is an interesting case. I'm showing you a mid-chest and a mid-abdomen image. If you look at the chest alone, you say, what is going on in the spine? The patient has hardware in place, but look at the size of the spinal canal. Then you see multiple soft tissue masses in the posterior mediastinum. 
Now, when you look at the abdomen, the spinal canal is also wide and there's hardware in place. And what is those soft tissue masses surrounding the aorta and SMA and celiac? Now, perhaps you might consider lymphoma, and that would be a thought. But then, how do you explain the widened canal? It's not a neuroendocrine tumor because it's not vascular. And sarcoid can give you nodes, but this is almost like an infiltrating process. And sarcoid would not explain the bony lesions. So the last answer, neurofibromatosis, is perfect. Widening of the spinal canal. And the neurofibromas are often of low attenuation and often infiltrate in appearance, particularly in the abdomen. I've shown you seven examples in the past and discussed how uh, neurofibromatosis and lymphoma can at times in the retroperitoneum look almost the same that you might think about lymphoma, but secondary signs, soft tissue lesions, bony lesions should make you think about neurofibromatosis, which indeed was the case in this patient. Now, in this case, we see a mass in the pancreas is smooth and well-defined. And you can go through a differential based on location, but now I'm telling you it's a 20-ish-year-old female. 20-ish-year-old females, pancreatic masses that are solid. You've got to be thinking about a solitary and papillary epithelial neoplasm of the pancreas or the so-called SPEN tumor. An MCN, if this was more cystic in an older patient, I would consider it. Neuroendocrine tumors can occasionally be hypovascular, so theoretically of considerations. And lymphoma can be infiltrative, and this is way too well-defined, particularly when you look at the coronal view. So in light of the patient's age and history and appearance, the best diagnosis is a SPEN tumor. Well, those are 10 terrific cases. Hopefully you got them all right, or more importantly, hopefully you learned something from each of the cases. Have a great month, and we'll see you in July, if not sooner. Catch you later. Bye.